This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're talking about this kingdom, the kingdom um, that our theme scripture for this year. Can anyone tell me what that is? Matthew 6 verse 33. What, is, what does it say? Yeah, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. It's a, it's a very loaded scripture that we quote so easily. Um, and it's a challenging scripture because it's in the context of people being afraid of uh, tension, of people worrying about where they're going to get their next food from. And the teacher uh, told us last night the testimony of our live village started. You know, he bought a farm and it was like crazy. And um, our God just provided supernaturally, I think, 89 million rand just to build the buildings on there. And, uh, and just the stream of children that's been coming, you know. not. Um, but when we are people-focused and God-focused and people-focused, God will add the rest to our lives, whatever we need, you know. And it was um, amazing how some of the guys afterwards were a bit complaining and saying, oh, the needs in our nation is so big, you know, 70% of people grow up without a father. And we're so overwhelmed by the needs. Um, and then he said, but why are you talking about the needs all the time? Go to the supplier, <laughs> you know. Go to the one who provides, who's got more than that, because if you just complain about the negative stuff all the time, then you're never going to see how big God is, you know, and, and he's really got a testimony. He said he's never asked people for money. Um, running this orphanage, massive costs, massive stuff involved, and, but if we seek the kingdom of God, if we have this fire inside of us, things begin to happen, you know, then it's not a, no, that scripture isn't just a, like a thought you have. It's not an intellectual thing. It's experiential because you know that the kingdom first starts in your heart. Love, joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. And so this morning, um, we're going we're gonna to just read through one chapter. And there's so much we can say about it. But sometimes we just have to sit around Scripture and, um, and think about what was the dynamics of the first church. Uh, what is norm? What is normal for Christianity? Uh, I think all of us. I was I was chatting to a group of people, and I've had the privilege of God seeing one person being raised from the dead right in front of me. The person was dead, died, dead, dead, a deadster, and um, and I was shocked. I was completely shocked when this guy rose from the dead at a trance party. Um, I still actually know the, know the guy. And, um, and I thought like, wow, in the West, we normally would, would write five books about it, you know. And, oh, he raised the dead. He's like, you know, well, it's just Jesus doing it. And normally when there's a miracle happening in your life, you are more shocked than anyone else, you know. <laughs> you just really know. A genuine miracle. Nobody can claim a genuine miracle. But the thing that separates every other religion what well, is different from true Christianity from any other religion is that we believe in a God that works miracles. Every other religion does not claim miracles. We say 
the start of Christianity in the heart of God. It's like the start of creation is a miracle. Everything we believe about the Bible is a supernatural God outside of our time, outside of our mindset of who we are, can speak a word and not just panel beat, but actually release his power. And we more than ever in the West need the power of God. Come on, can I get an amen? But see, we become professional Christians. We, we just like go through the motions. It's happened to me many times in my life, you know. And then this week we had 50 students coming here from a fire and fragrance ministry. And they pray for everything that moves, lives, seems to just want to respond. They pray for that. And they just like, and I'm thinking like, whoa, you're wild, you know. And, um, and then you can easily have one of two reactions. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But let's go read Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> the sort of not the birth of the church, Jesus through relationships, uh, through coming and through the whole process from the Old Testament was already birthing the church. The church is the bride of Christ. But there was a release. There was almost a commissioning of the church. And it happened at the Feast of Pentecost, uh, the Feast of the Harvest. That's when God decided that now he's going to commission the church. There are many churches like ours that build our that build their, their sort of old theology around, y'all, we are spirit-filled, and because we're spirit-filled, we're more special, special than the Reformed and the deep Calvinistic type of people that are just very, like, to the letter. <clears throat> and, I was, and, 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 and I just want to say that for the record, we are a spirit-filled church. We are not a Reformed church. There are other Reformed churches that you can go to, but yeah, we are primarily not interested in your comfort or my comfort. We are primarily yeah, interested in following God, honoring God, and making Him feel welcome more than what people feel welcome. Can I get an amen, okay? Because that's when God's power comes, and I love what, um, what um, Reinhard Bunker used to say. He said, do you know what... Um, if you preach the original gospel, you'll get the original results. <laughs> yeah? And uh, so in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. That's sort of like this moment, 500 people got this commission from Jesus before he went up. He says, go to the upper room. Only 120 made it to the upper room. I was there, I think, seven years ago with some Angus standing in this little room. I literally tell you, it's twice the size of this stage. 120 people in there. I can just realize, like, wow, it, it must have been very uncomfortable. Very <laughs> relationship oh yeah <laughs> it was just tension of what's gonna happen to the kids because there were kids there as well i believe that you know but 120 of these people in the upper room waiting for this promise to be fulfilled the promise that jesus spoke about in acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says and you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and then you'll be my witnesses that word for power is the word dunamus dynamite <laughs> I'm going to say something controversial, but you cannot really say you are fully or fully committed to the working of the Holy Spirit if there's no power in your life. 
Because the word for power is dunamus. It's dynamite. And I, I, I told the story long ago, but I used to, in, the, in primary school, we, we, I had a friend in Caledon. His father had the quarry. You know, quarries, we take out the big stones out of the mountain. And then once every two months, he would like put dynamite into the side of the mountain and blow up a part of the mountain. But that's like huge. There are probably two times, no, one and a half times this area, he would put dynamite in there. And so it was a whole process to actually sort of put security stuff around it, make sure nobody's there, all this stuff. And then what we would do is we would sneak up to the side of the mountain, didn't tell him because it's, we, it was dangerous, we're not allowed to be there, but then we would like build a type of thing because we're going to sit under these things when this dynamite goes off, you know. Uh, we only did it once, we only did it once, we loved our lives too much because when that dynamite blew that mountain apart, and the rocks started to, <laughs> you know, fortunately it was the small ones at the side, but, but it is massive. You know when dynamite blows up this place, you know. So we were sitting there. I think we were sitting next to each other. Eventually, I pulled him over myself, just thought like, okay, he'll die first, you know, but at least then if it falls on us, he'll squash me, you know. He was very angry with me. He didn't speak to me for three days, but I said, it's your father's place. It's not mine, but in any case, so, you know, but dynamite causes rocks to break open. Dynamite is explosive. It's and that's the word Jesus used when he said the Holy Spirit will come. Then he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Four areas that will, the gospel will have its effect in. Right where you are, at your workplace, in your family, in your community. But then, if the gospel doesn't reach across the railway line, across the cultural line, and eventually into the nations... We have lost our birthright. We've lost our sense of why we should be here. And unfortunately, we become professional. We, we go through the songs. We're good people. We're nice. But, but I'm, I want to stir this morning a little bit the hunger inside of you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will do it because otherwise you're going to just feel condemned if I do it. But listen to this in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So here, verse 7, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these, speak, all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So <clears throat> the start of the church was, con or the commission of the church was very controversial. Because here the 120 is sitting in the upper room. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other languages that they don't understand called speaking in tongues. It's there in the scripture. And so they go out and now there is, because of this festival of Pentecost, there are Hellenists and Greeks, different type of speaking, language speaking Jews that had to come up to Jerusalem. And so what happens when these guys come out of the upper room, they begin, they speak in these languages that they don't understand and now the reaction of these other guys are like, what is going on here? This is crazy. Because these guys coming from the upper room are speaking in our languages and they're just Galileans. They, they're not supposed to know what we, what they, we, we hear what they say. We understand what they said. And so this is already supernatural. 
Maybe you feel uncomfortable with it, but sorry, it's in Scripture. It happened. I've experienced it twice. I've, I always had encounter one tell the story, but we went to Malawi. Um, Bernard, this guy from the Free State that cannot even speak English, you know, so came to me one morning. We right in the north of Malawi in Chitipa, and, um, and he says to me, do you know what? I feel I must actually go out and pray in tongues. That's how we should start. Now, that's our first night, first meeting, crazy. How on earth, you know? So I'm just thinking like, no, 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 this is not going to work. We, we, we're really going to make people freak out and chase us out of this town, you know? <clears throat> so I said, no, no, no. Then another girl came and she said, no, she had a, a vision or a dream that Bernard starts to speak in front of all these people. Something like, oh, okay, now I've got a problem. There's another one that's agreeing with what he's saying. And I said, okay, cool. So here we go. There's a thousand people there that evening. Our first night of outreach, the worship just finished. And I said, okay, Bernard, go. You know, I'm just standing and I'm thinking like, okay, I'm ready to run. <clears throat> I'm ready to like, because you know, when some stuff strange happens to people, people have different reactions to it. And so here he starts. He takes the mic. He starts to speak in the gift of speaking in tongues which is different than the prayer language of praying in the Spirit. There's a gift of speaking in tongues. And not all people can have the gift of speaking in tongues, but everyone can pray in the Spirit that are Spirit-filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a difference because not everyone can do what Bernard did. So Bernard starts, and I'm thinking there after a minute, I close my eyes and I'm just praying. I say, Lord, please be with us. You know, when you pray prayers that are not scriptural, you know, Lord, please be with us when he said he's already with us, you know. But now it feels like the Lord is not with you, you know. You think, like, oh, Lord, please be with us, you know. Please, Lord, comfort us in this moment. Lord, please save us, you know. And, um, and so after a minute, I look up and I realize, like, okay, Bernard, this felt like five minutes. The only problem is the thousand people sitting there were all nodding their heads. And then around about 55 minutes later, as Bernard was speaking in tongues, he was speaking in perfect Chechewa, and he didn't understand the word he was saying. Around about a thousand people came to the front, responded, because they said, how can this guy from the free state speak in our language? He doesn't know a word that he's saying, but he's delivering a perfect sermon, talking and preaching about Christ. We saw many people come to salvation. Maybe it's a weird story for you, but sorry, it's in the Bible. It happened right there at the start of the church. And so what happened in verse 12, so they were all, this is now their reaction. When God moves, there's always going to be one of two reactions. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? But others mocking said they are full of new wine. When God does something outside of our comfort zone, you're either going to be amazed and say, wow, I don't necessarily understand, but I realize God is doing something, or you're going to start mocking. There's, no, there's only one of two reactions when the Holy Spirit really moves. And maybe today you think like, no, no, this is crazy. I'm never going to come back to this church because this guy talks about gift of speaking in tongues, you know. Now, I'm going to tell you my story because what happened when I was at school, I've never heard about these things. I've read through these scriptures many times, never heard about the infilling of the Holy Spirit or stuff like that. And, and so we were in a little classroom worshiping, and the teacher just said, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So we're 14 boys, all grade 11, and, um, 
And so we pray, Lord, please fill us with the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what I was talking about, you know. The next moment, now this classroom had no windows, just one door. It was a singing classroom, and um, where they did all the singing stuff of, of the school. And the next moment, a fire came and fell through the roof, just like in the book of Acts. Literally, it fell to me like fire through the roof. I thought the place is going to burn. And the next moment, everyone started to sing in these different languages, myself included. I didn't know, I have a clue what I'm doing. I'm sweating like I'm going to die any moment. But now there's my best friend. He's very, very conservative, you know. Dopper multiplied, you know. So he's just like there, you know, and he's like, whoa, you know, and, and he's singing. Now he goes like this. He played for the first team rugby, and he's like this cool dude. And, but he goes like this, and he sings in this Jewish type of thing. You know? And I'm thinking like, what is happening? The devil is upon us, you know. <laughs> and then I thought like, no, no, if Andre can sing in this stuff, it must be God. That was my persuasion that this is God, you know. <laughs> just like a, this conservative guy next to me, yeah. But I want to challenge us because when I tell these stories, I know some of us feel very uncomfortable. But you've got one problem, it's in the Bible. Now, there are some Christians that are cessationists. So what they say is, they say, the first church needed the power of God to write Scripture. And so Scripture, solidio gloria, has come. And once Scripture has been written, it's, it's finished. So meaning that it passed away with the first church which is the biggest lie and not really scriptural, I believe. I believe it 100%. And the only reason why I believe it is because I've got evidence in my life of God working. We at Encounter One call people to the front and say, hey, and we got words of, there were words of knowledge for everyone that responded. Afterwards, I said, okay, stand up. If this meant something to you, something that you didn't understand, and all of those people stood up and said it was supernatural. So it's happening in our midst every day. It's part of our inheritance. But, you know, many places like this, we feel uncomfortable, so we move it on the side, and we say, like, ah, you know, if there's like a miracle, then we'll, oh, maybe rejoice about it and write a book about it and brag about it. But it's the norm of the church. It should be. So what happens after this confusion? You can go and read it from verse 37 on. Peter writes, oh, there's all the verses there. You must go and read it. So Peter stands up, and, and, and that's why this preaching is important, but preaching of the gospel, not preaching of doctrine. Remember, doctrine just explains what has happened. It doesn't direct to what should happen. The gospel of what Jesus Christ said, that is what changes lives, okay? Doctrine is important, but doctrine is just there to help us to give a better understanding of what we believe. But doctrine cannot give you experience. So I, I with, you know, went to some leaders and some people said, oh, you know, when I was younger and all these things started to happen to me. And I said, like, hey, what, what's this? And then said, oh, no, 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 no. Just some special people can move in the gifts. And I should have just asked the guy, like, no, okay, take me to those some people. But don't go to somebody that cannot drive the car, but they've written a manual on driving the car, and you want to go and learn from them. So go to people that are practicing the, these things, and just go and learn. Just, just have an open mind. Just say, Lord, I, I don't necessarily understand it, but I want to learn because what I see in Scripture 
It's not there for confusion. It's there to enhance my relationship with God and to edify the church and make the world see who Christ is. So Peter says in the sermon, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Isn't that the response? Hey, they were cut to the heart when the Holy Spirit comes to convict the word. Because all he spoke about was Jesus and the death of Jesus and the fact that they must turn back to him. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Wow. He says the promise of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Wow. So he preaches this gospel and, and we see the effect of that church, the, the, the dynamics of that church. And so what was the fruits? So after this now, there's like an order because Peter stood up, very bold, very confident, saying, this is what's happening here. And you're going to read it. He actually goes back to Joel and the prophecies in the Old Testament. He takes scripture together and says, this is what God prophesied. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The greatest, fastest moving church in the world today is those who are embracing the supernatural called the charismatic church. It's not in the West. It's not in America. And it's not in Europe. I'm going to say something that maybe offend you, but I say to the... the um, Students all the time these days, I say, stop listening to the church in America. Switch off the YouTube stuff from America. If you want to go and listen, go and listen to what's happening in the Middle East and Asia and other, because that's South America. There's great places where God is moving. But look at the fruit. I'm not saying... Oh, reject all it and go and burn your books from America. But the American church is very good at marketing. Very good at superstars. But the season for superstars in the kingdom is over. Where people build ministries around names and people. And it's not around Christ. Because the Holy Spirit cannot honor that. Because my name is not going to be mentioned in heaven. <laughs> And Kumi, your name is not going to be mentioned in heaven. And because there's only going to be one name. So let's start building here around Jesus. And when that focus is right, who is we, we are we worshiping? We're worshiping Christ. We're not worshiping shofar. Shofar is maybe just a vehicle where God has placed us, the local church where we belong. But if you are just a spectator here, sorry, you're in trouble. You're going to get deceived. You're going to say like, oh yeah, I just come to church because I feel good at myself. No, you are a priest. You're, God wants to use you. The kingdom must come through you because you're going to walk into that place tomorrow morning and I can't get there, you know. If I sit on the plane and say, what do you do? And they say, pastor, then immediately you get this reaction. <coughs> Conversation many times cut off right there, you know. So I'm a director of some other companies as well, you know, some um, organizations and NGOs and things like that. So when people ask me these days, I don't even say I'm a pastor anymore because I realize what reaction I'm going to get. I'm just saying, well, I'm a director or I'm a shepherd, you know. <laughs> I'm about God's business, you know. <laughs> wow, but listen to this. And when with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Isn't it amazing that the first sermons 
were quite tough. Be saved from this perverse generation. Repent and be baptized. There's a lot of commands in there, but today we have the tolerant gospel that just say, oh, don't say tough stuff in church because, you know, it's going to make the people run away. But I've realized with young people, they will come. Sheep come to where the food is. <laughs> give them proper food. But if you give them fake stuff, they're they just going to drift off. But people want to hear the truth because inherently we know this is a perverse generation. We're not nice. This is not a great culture. We are myth. What is myth in English? Math. Okay. We are math. Everything is falling apart. We heard it. Umti said it last night that the, the brokenness in this country is overwhelming. The stuff that apartheid has created by taking the father away, putting them in lands on the other sides and taking the father away to the mines and stuff has created one of the greatest social challenges. And it's going to take a time for fathers and mothers to stand up and say, we know God and we want to introduce you to the father. Because we need to know him. And so be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued. What did they do? What, is, what was this dynamic of this church? They continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, very important. Fellowship, apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, coming to the centrality of Christ, celebrating what Christ has done. And in prayers. Are you doing that? Is, is that part of your life? Because that's what happened every day. <laughs> then fear came, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Wow. <laughs> now all were be believed were together and had all things in common and sold all their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Ooh. What was the fruit of the first church? They came together. They received the word gladly. But then there was a dynamic amongst them of coming around the table of the Lord, taking communion, prayer. Prayer, is, was prayer for the Christian, I said it a couple of weeks ago, is like breathing. It's not, you cannot outsource prayer to somebody else out there. You have to pray. I have to pray. It's like testifying, telling people about Christ. It, you can't outsource that to the Evangelism 101 Bible School Club. Your whole life is a testimony or it's not a testimony. He says, go and be. He doesn't say, go and do testifying. Go and be my disciples. Go and be witnesses, he said. Don't go and do witnessing. Everything about you should be a witness. Wow. It's getting very quiet in here, but hallelujah. Let the scriptures convict. <laughs> and so the, they, they were in this place together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And then they go on, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So what was the outflow of this community that came together that were focusing on discipleship, focusing on drawing people in, 
focusing on witnessing, focusing because they now had the power of God, but they were continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, which we call small groups. But even our small groups can become very religious because I must go to small group on Wednesday and I must go to church on Sunday. But we should live together. We should open up our homes. I love what Vernon and Himna does. They're not here this morning, but every second Friday, they open up their home, invite 70 students, and then they give them food, and then they start to worship, and they pray, and they get words of knowledge, and they just like, pray for people. Because, well, yes, I can be the, one of the best specialist doctors in South Africa, or probably in the world. He works with blood cancer and all of that stuff, and Himna, but they're spirit-filled. Every patient that comes in, they pray. Here's Izal. I'm going to commend you and honor you. Izal is more in ministry than what she's a medical doctor. I just hear of people getting saved and, oh, this one and that one, going for this. And I think like, wow, that's how we should live as Christians. It's the norm. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go to church and see if that little short man can psych me up. Yeah. And then next week, oh, I feel a bit down again and see if that short man can psych me up again. And, oh, you know, I'm a bit tired of him. I'm going to rather move to another church because they more preach through the books of the Bible, you know. So Shofar doesn't really preach through the word anymore because we preach topical sermons. And I think like, what did these guys preach? They didn't preach doctrine. They preached the gospel. And there was great repentance and great lives to change. Last night we had some guys lying there on the floor Friday night, just people weeping, delivered from demons. It's crazy. It's wild. But we become professional Christians. Because we're sometimes afraid of moving out of our comfort. And as long as you're in your comfort zone, you're in control. You can control the outcomes. But we see here, these guys didn't. (laughs) But... Look at this thing, the gladness and the simplicity of heart. See, our culture robs us from gladness and simplicity of heart. We see a dynamic of a community. It was just so fun to be together. There was so much gladness. There was so much joy. If I would ask the average Christian today, please go and sell all your possessions and distribute it among the poor and people that need Oh, there will be no gladness. <laughs> they will be like, oh, you know, get behind me, Satan. How can you give me a word like that today, you know? Uh, and, and the first church really needed it, you know, because they were very poor, you know? Come on. I once had to sow one of my cars, and I have to confess. It's, it's a, it was a Toyota Hilux KZTE. had lots of kilometers on, but... I knew every squeak of that car. I got so sentimental, I would greet the car when I get in the garage, you know. Because it was just, it was just a great car to drive in. You know, I, I bought the car for 95,000 rand and, you know, I got an offer for 105. And I thought like, oh, it's even growing on me, you know. It's, it's just an amazing car, you know. And then the Lord says, it's an idol. Give it away. And it was, I must tell you, I'm just honest, just between the two of us, it was tough. Because, you know, I almost said, who am I going to greet? I greet my wife, but in any case, don't, when I get into the garage, it's just like, I felt like, oh, this thing has so become part of me because I know how the seat sits, you know. And there's a place where my hand can, and it's just like, you know, I feel like I come from a farm, so I feel with this 
Bucky, I drive on the farm, you know. So I, I, I don't go through Merriman. I, I drive around Kutzenberg just to have the farm experience sometimes, you know, when I miss the farm a little bit. But this Bucky makes me feel like I'm in the farm, you know. It's very sentimental, connected, you know. It feels like belong, you know. And it's not an expensive car, so nobody's going to tell the pastor, oh, you steal the money of the church or anything like that. This is like, this fits my profile, you know. And I'm like, this, like yeah. God says, sow it. Uh, <clears throat> give me five signs, seven prophecies, and there must be somebody from America that confirms it. It was tough, I promise you. I told you the story how I went that year to India and we were traveling uh, next to the Ganges. We see these massive temples. And I think like, wow, the idolatry is huge. Thousands of people. I remember going to Bangalore to the Hare Krishna temple. Massive temple. I think 150,000 people go into that temple every day. The beginning we made mistakes, so we go into the temple. Got the shock of my life. The temple is huge. The, just the inside, the inner courts of that temple is bigger than this. So you walk through the thing and got the shock of my life because when we went in, people were starting to levitate. They were beating the drums and suddenly we saw people flying. So I'm looking for the rope. So how did I get this done? And I realized like, no, no, there's no help here. They're flying. I said to this big guy with me, I say, run, Forrest, run. I don't know what's going on here, but this is not a place to be. <laughs> I thought like, whoa, here the idols is like in your face. But traveling on that Ganges River, I'll never forget it, the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit said to me, the idols in the West are much bigger. The only problem is they're not seen. They're in our hearts. Anything we place above the Lord Jesus Christ in our life is an idol. The first commandment, you shall serve no other God. No, but Lord, you've given me this family to take care of, and you've given me this wife, and you've given me this job, and, and Lord, I need to be a good steward. Yeah? Well, stewardship sometimes be an excuse that something becomes an idol. Can you give it away? Um, Johnny said it so beautifully yesterday. God says, give me that. Lord, is there anything you want, anything that I worship instead of you? Ask the Lord that question. Ask him. You're going to get a shock. Speaking to a big businessman yesterday that flew down from Joburg, came out to the camp, and we're sitting for 20 minutes, and he says, well, whoa. What is challenging on the idols in his heart? I said, yes, for all of us in the West, our idols are big. Because we love our cause, we love our things, we love our experiences. Even ministry can become an idol. But we see this beautiful place, gladness, simplicity. Are you living in simplicity? Are you, have you got a joy because it's here? Joy comes from here. Joy doesn't come through your doctrine. Joy doesn't come through your experiences. Joy doesn't come through, joy comes here in your heart. When you look Jesus in the eyes and you realize, I'm fulfilled. You can take all of this away. So Paul and Silas can worship in the middle of the night in the prison. The prison doors open up, and you know what? They don't even recognize the prison doors open up. Why? Because they've got Jesus, and they're worshiping him, and nothing is going to distract them from worshiping him. We'll go like, oh, the prison doors opened up. 
It's amazing, a miracle. Let's go for it. You know, we write books about the prison door opening up. They won't even focus on that. So, we're going to end there. I actually have so much more to share, but just sowing a seed today and challenging us to ask what is the norm of Christianity today? If you go to nations like Iran, every person you meet with has had a vision of God, an appearance of Jesus. We met a little nine-year-old boy there that is every night he goes to sit under the table, pulls the tablecloth over the table because his parents are still Muslim, family still Muslim. If they would find out that he's got a Bible in that house, they would kill him on the spot in Tehran. I met that boy, nine years old, every morning from 2 a.m., to 7.30 a.m., he would, with a little torch, sit under the table and read his Bible. Some of my Bibles gather dust. Been in China where we gave people a Bible, old ladies, old ladies, 75, running, running just to touch a Bible. Say, this is great, this is like never experienced something like this that we can have God's word thank you for listening remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share